Welcome to For the Record, behind-the-scenes insider podcast with Colin McCall, where we take a forward-facing look at your environmental requirements and help you make your EHS program an indispensable and strategic part of your company's growth. Remember to sign up for our complimentary For the Record email newsletter. And now, here's your host, Colin McCall. Welcome back. This is part two of my conversation with John Slade on NACS designations and implications. Hope you enjoy. John, I want to talk about the non-attainment permitting process for major facilities, but before we even go to there, I understand the source category, sort of evaluating that list. Are there situations that you've seen arise where states are actually going to specific facilities because of their own, let's say they just from a, from a magnitude perspective, they contribute a high amount of emissions. I know we've seen this with SO2 here recently, but with SO2 being considered more of a, a hotspot sort of situation than versus maybe a regional situation. But, but how often do you see it come up and where do you see it come up other than maybe that SO2 example of where an agency has gone to some specific facilities and said, hey, we need you to tighten up by a certain amount. Does that does that come up a lot? Oh, sure. Sure it does. And as you said, if if a source category, you know, it, it, it may only there may only be six sources in the state that fit into that category, but they're all really big. Let's let's say cement <laughs> operations. And so the state can can say we're going to tighten the standards because we know, you know, there've been proven technology for SNCR control, you know, on cement operations, and so so in that case, they'd just go to all six of them and they'd say, you know, this is now going to be this, the the minimum standard that you have to meet. So yeah, it, it you know the source category can can be such as a limited number of, of companies that you know that they actually go directly to them and and sort of name them by name but then but then again if it would if a new source tried to come in in that same category they, they'd also be impacted by that so even though it might affect existing sources if they if they implement some standard on them that would certainly apply to any new source category too or in a new source right. I, yeah. I assume that as the as the planning group within the agency is putting this information together and they're looking at these different source categories and saying, okay, here's where things are going to tighten up. They're also looking at other existing maybe federal regulations, right, that could be generating reductions anyway. So that's that's all a part of it. I assume the modeling group with the agency is pretty busy during this time, right? Because they've got to they've got to sort of bear some of that out in terms of how the reductions are actually going to going to translate to what they're actually going to see and they're they I assume they're working with EPA pretty heavily on that it, it, can you speak to that process at all or or sure. you know how how big of a of an aspect is that as part of the process oh yeah yeah as you said like with SO2 I can remember years ago when Pennsylvania had some, all the power plants, you know, this was before even, uh, you know, scrubbers were, were commonplace, uh, wet scrubbers for SO2 reductions. Um, the, the state went and modeled every single power plant out there. And there were certain ones that had to, 
you know, come up with reductions because the modeling indicated, you know, that they themselves were were causing or significantly contributing to a non-attainment situation. And so, you know, they had to either put scrubbers in or they had to reduce the sulfur content, put put coal washing plants in or, you know, something something to to reduce that. Now, if you're talking about ozone, that the the modeling for ozone, because it's a long-range transport, is not something typically done by the state. But they will in those cases they work in concert with EPA to do some of this long-range transport because in, the, in those cases, you you know, you're actually taking into consideration pollution that's coming in to your area from outside your state, even, and then seeing what you know the modeling sees what emission reductions in your state would do to to lower the formation of ozone, considering what's coming in from outside outside your state. So, uh, yeah, modeling is is a is a big piece of it. It just goes from point source modeling all the way to long range transport, multi-source, multi-state modeling. So yeah, modeling is absolutely a, a big a big piece of that too. John, let's shift from some of the things that an agency might be doing with existing source categories, existing sources that, that are just kind of have, you know, in their ongoing operations. And let's shift to that permitting aspect that you mentioned, uh, particularly for major sources. So you know, we've got a non-attainment area now versus attainment. That means typically lower permitting thresholds for what, you know, what might trigger, you know, particularly on ozone, uh, what might trigger you into some of those requirements. But can you just walk through, you know, some of the offset type of things that come up? You mentioned some of the control technology things that come up. What, what are the things that need to be considered by a major facility that's looking at permitting that now might be different? Sure. So, as I mentioned before, the you know major sources have the most impact from a non-attainment designation, and, and that being if their project is is large enough, it goes over the the thresholds for for being considered a, a major project. Uh, then they would need to, instead of best available control technology, they've got to look at the lowest achievable emission reductions essentially is the difference between if it's feasible and the cost may, may say it's not uh, the dollar per ton is too high for BAT, but for layer control technology, if it's feasible for your industry, then you got to do it despite, you know, despite the cost and the cost can, can be pretty high. But on top of that, um, you also have to provide emission reduction credits. So for, and there's different offset ratios, but you've always got to provide more emission reductions than you're going to put out uh, it for your new project of a new source or a modified source. And you know, that was a concept uh, Congress came up with in the Cleaner Act. And, and, it, and, it, and it makes sense uh, from the standpoint that you can take a non-attainment area and you can put additional emissions in but only if you're going to make sure that you that you have you have purchased or provided emission reductions that are more than what you're going to to put in. And you know, uh, years ago these used to be several thousand dollars a ton, uh, but now emission reduction credits, I'd say in general, tend to be in the ten to maybe sixty thousand dollar range. 
so that can be that can be pretty significant for a company. All of a sudden, when you've got a hundred tons of emissions and you've you got to pay fifty thousand dollars a ton to purchase uh, emission reductions that somebody else made, or the, your alternative is to put additional controls on sources or pay somebody else to put controls on a source to to generate those emission reductions. And so, you know, your 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 project can can get much more expensive than you anticipated pretty quickly. And that's something that you that you really need to take into consideration. And you know, companies can can um, mitigate some of this in 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 planning. You know, the you, if you see a non-attainment situation coming up, you know, maybe there's a project you want to get you want to get going a little earlier than you thought because uh, because you'll be able to do it as as a BA, BAT control technology and not layer if you do it uh, before an area gets determined to be non-attainment. Or the other is if you're in non-attainment, um, you know, it, it related projects are grouped together. So you need to you need to see what projects that you want to do that are not not related or you believe are not related, and it's it's typically considered by EPA or the state agencies. If you do them at the same time, even if even if you would like to believe that they're they're not related it's it's a much harder burden to prove that they really aren't aren't related projects that would trip you into non-attainment new source review permitting so you know you you really need to think about about your permitting projects and their applicability to non-attainment new source review if if you're either non-attainment or or you in this case you mentioned ozone you suspect that your area might go into non-attainment for ozone John, I know there's not if there's not a one size fits all to this this question, that's okay. But you mentioned some proactive steps companies can take, and certainly timing is one of those. You know, if we have an attainment to non-attainment type of situation going on, what's the uh, what's the standard there? Application submitted, permit issued, construction started. What needs to happen in relation to the redesignation, and how should folks be thinking about that timing? Right. It, it it is permit issued. So if the construction permit's issued while you're still attainment, that's the that's the status. And you and as long as you then construct within you know the timeframes of the construction permit issued, then then you're in 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 good shape. Submittal of an application is not. You know if if like the day before the state a- agency issues you your permit, it goes into official non-attainment. You've got to re- completely resubmit it as a, as a non-attainment permit uh, if they have not taken final action on it. Now, an appeal wouldn't change anything. You know, it could be issued. Right. Someone could appeal the permit, and as long as as they are not successful in the the appeal, you'd you'd be good. But it but it's issuance of the of the permit and keeping that permit. And uh, I hate to say I've been involved with situations when companies have let for just lack of of due diligence, let a construction permit that had a an end date uh, lapse without submitting the documents that they need to in order to get an extension on it. And there's nothing an agency can do. If you have not extended the construction permit lawfully, 
it's gone and you would that you would then have to resubmit. And at that point you'd be resubmitting as non-attainment potentially. So those are those are important details to keep to keep in mind. That's that's one to avoid. And it sounds like <laughs> that's that. one to- <laughs> You, you wouldn't you wouldn't think a company would ever would ever do that, but uh, yeah, they they do. Yeah, one to avoid, and it sounds like that timing is it's like a game of inches, game of hours. So, and there are some of these potential redesignations coming up. PM two and a half being proposed uh, mm-hmm. to be tight in the summer. So, there are things like that. Certainly, things to to look at. John, let's go back just a couple more things. Going back to the sort of next designation process overall, we've talked about ongoing operation. We've talked about permitting and how that affects things. We've talked about the responsibilities that the state agencies have. What what are a couple instances, maybe just to further inform the audience, like where where is it most common in this process for facilities and the state agencies to maybe have the most, other than permitting, of course, but as part of the next designation process, are there one or two areas where facilities and the state agencies tend to interact the most? Or have you seen examples of where there has needed to be direct interaction? I think that helps for folks to just be aware of. Well, I mean, it's certainly it's certainly important for, for companies, uh, especially major companies, major source uh, sources to keep on top of, of where the trends in air quality are going in in your area and there i've even known an instance where an area was close on pm 2.5 and there was a major construction project multi-year a big shopping mall area and it wasn't wasn't very far from the monitor and it almost caused the the construction activity there almost caused that that monitor to have the area declared non-attainment um, so, you know, that there's an instance where, you know, you, you really need to keep an eye on it. If you see a trend that, especially if it doesn't make any sense, why, why an area is starting to monitor a lot higher uh, ambient air quality uh, values, you know, I think it, it, it would be good. I'd say a company ought to contact the, the agency and say, you know, we've, we've seen this trend are, are you seeing it? <laughs> you know, what, what do you think is causing it? Because we don't really know why um, that should be happening. And, you know, it, it could be it could be a, a non-attainment situation that that the, that the agency isn't addressing. And it could be something that's local to the monitor. You know, it, you've, you've, there have been instances when a monitor has been uh, improperly impacted by a by a relatively small source um <laughs> and um you know and it's causing the causing high readings that that is that is not maybe as unusual as, as you as you might think so it really is important to sort of keep an eye on the on the air quality especially in your area your area you, you may know a little bit better and um you know if you see something that that looks Looks strange, you know. Talk to the agencies, see if they've, you know, they've also been been made aware of that. And then the process of going from non-attainment to attainment is definitely an area where where companies can can play a role. Uh, not only, not so much maybe in the in the original attainment plans, 
But once an area monitors attainment, then the state not only not only do they have to monitor attainment and get that approved, they also have to submit a plan, a maintenance plan that shows how they're going to keep the area in attainment for the next ten years, and um, that that that's really important for companies to I think to to be a part of that planning process to look at what the agency's saying and um, you know and, and and be involved with that and the the process can can be drawn out and if you're if you're really in need of doing a project you really don't want to do it as non-attainment you want to you know you'd really like to do it as an as attainment status and the area is there but it's just not been redesignated because these these other pieces that have to, to fall into place and i can tell you it can easily take three or more years after an area's monitoring attainment to actually get the attainment status back to a designated back to attainment for the area and you know letting an agency know you've got a project coming up you know sort of highlighting putting a priority on your area because it's like you know the whole state doesn't happen at once they take pieces you know, and not all the same, even though the non-attainment might be pieces of the state, you know, they have to prioritize which one they're going to work on because it's a separate, uh, you know, maintenance plan for for each of these. So, you know, letting an agency know that you um, you have a special interest in a particular area because of a project can be very, can be very important to help them to to uh, properly you know, designate what which ones they're going to work on, you know, first. Good advice, John, on a couple of examples there where uh, facilities can certainly help and, and or initiate a, a, right. a focus in a certain area. So that's that's good advice. And on that data, keeping an eye on the data, everybody has a role to play. Every stakeholder in that area has a role to play in how that data looks and what's impacting it. And I think that's something that sometimes we lose sight of. So yeah, I, I would I would say that that's something that I think most companies do not, um, you know, uh, there there are those that, that that keep track of it, but I'd say as a rule, most companies sort of do not really pay attention to that, and it can and it can be really important. They pay attention once they hear all of a sudden my area is going to be designated as non-attainment, but uh, at at that point, having any any impact is uh, you, you know you've missed that point and there's still things you can do as i said you know it to help the process of going back to attainment but uh but understanding the you know the trends how that's going to impact you for timing for permitting and and uh, interacting with the with the agency on you know for a number of inputs so uh, you know they under they understand how this would how this would impact you uh, it, the agencies are more willing to interact with companies, you know, in those regards than I think most companies understand. Right. No, that makes sense. John, two more questions. I, and I'm sure, hey, maybe in a future episode we could talk about the ins and outs of maintenance plans, but let's not do it right now. <laughs> uh, but I have two more questions. Um, one, we mentioned BACT, B-A-C-T. We mentioned LAIR. Just broadly – Reasonably available control technology, RACT. Facilities right. in, interact with RACT occasionally in non-attainment areas. Where does that fit into this? All right. So, 
So, so RAC is uh, impacts any area that is a non-attainment area, or the, the, also the the northeast, the ozone transport region uh, is considered to be for permitting purposes, even if it's monitoring attainment, even if the att official attainment status is is attainment for ozone. Um, the permitting that's done in the ozone transport region is as if as if the area was non-attainment. Um, so the uh, RACT is is a requirement that any time the uh, standard gets gets lowered, you have to do a full re the agency has to do a full review for all sources uh, that are that are major. Not just they, they can't necessarily just pick the source categories that they think will give them the, the biggest reduction. They've actually got to go through a, an assessment of a reasonably available control technology for existing sources that could make further reductions. And like in the a case of, of uh, ozone would be further reductions in nitrogen oxide emissions and further reductions in volatile organic compounds. Now it's perfectly fine for the state to, you know, look at all of these and say, you know, there's nothing, there's nothing that could be uh, reduced further. That's not, I'd say that's never the outcome, but you know, it it would be possible. But they have to go through that process of looking at all of the sources at at the major facilities and see whether there were there are any further reductions that that. Could be made, you know, irrespective of designating, you know, a source category in in your uh, attainment plan. Uh, th this would uh, this would more broadly affect all the sources that are considered uh, significant sources that have NOx and VOC emissions in the case of in the case of of ozone. Okay, I wanted to make sure we addressed it. It's a term that comes up, and it so it's right. really it's it's non-attainment, staying in non-attainment, but getting tightened, right? Which right. maybe maybe doesn't come up quite as often around the country, but right. it comes up comes up regionally. So, John, I, this has been a great conversation. I really appreciate the insight. I guess I would just leave it as: Do you have any other kind of broad advice on this this next process? Any other? Words of wisdom for our listeners before we leave. <laughs> um, you know, as I've said a couple times in this interview, it really is important for companies to to keep an eye on the the ambient air quality trends in, in your area, and to be fully aware that you know if a new standard's going to come out, will that change the status in my area? Uh, and be involved and be involved with these uh, attainment plans, maintenance plans that the agency is required to do when when an area is uh, declared non-attainment or when they're trying to bring an area of non-attainment into into attainment. As I said, monitoring the attainment is just the first of uh, of, of many steps involved with that. And uh, the, the agency is actually, Welcome, I'd say, productive information from from companies. Uh, any technology information, I think, is is uh, is usually well well accepted, 
and um, you know they uh, they appreciate because they know that it's so impactful on companies. They actually like to see involvement by the companies in in this process. Great advice, John. Thanks so much for the time. Alrighty, thank you, Colin. And to our listeners, thanks as always. Hope this was helpful, and I hope that you will join us next time. You've been listening to For the Record Behind the Scenes Insider Podcast with Colin McCall. Remember to sign up for our complimentary For the Record email newsletter to get weekly news and articles on a variety of timely EHS issues. The content heard on this podcast is not intended to replace an evaluation of the specific projects and regulations that you are encountering at your company.